0: Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. We interrupt our series on deal structures to bring you an episode on timely current events. It's been a bit since we did a market update and we wanted to quickly check in on the world economy for a minute. Turns out there is a fair bit going on in the world and Mark does like to talk about it, so it took longer than a minute and we just scratched the surface. This episode is a bit of an update on where things are at, interest rates, mortgage data, renewals, amortizations, rent data, consumer statistics, population trends, real estate, and Japan. Not sure what Japan has to do with anything, but I guess you'll just have to listen to find out. Does looking at the news these days make you depressed or anxious or confused or fearful? As Christians, we confess that nothing happens by chance, but all according to God's perfect plan. It's very helpful to reflect on that truth. When it comes to stewarding our wealth through these times, Mark and I like to zoom out and build an investment thesis for ourselves based on longer term trends. Then we can act with confidence, even when times are tough, And we can benefit for years to come. We encourage you to do the same. If you want to chat about how you might be able to better steward what you've been blessed with using real estate as a vehicle, then you can get in contact with either one of us. Mark is helping folks to set up and manage successful short and midterm rental properties at joyhill.ca. I'm helping folks to source the right investment property, develop quality rental units, and secure amazing tenants. We're at goodstewards.ca. And this is a long one, so 1.5 times speed, people. And now, let's see what's going on in the world.
1: Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. I'm going to jump in and say my name is Brent. Okay, he knows his name. It's a good start. And I'm Mark. Brent was pretty tired last time, but uh, that was the afternoon. This is the morning, and... um, Hopefully we get through this with a minimum amount of yawns. Although I don't know. We want to talk about the Phillips curve again. So we might be uh, a little bit yawn inducing. Yeah. There's a lot of exciting
0: (laughs) things going on in the world. Uh, I don't know. So if you're not excited and living your life very excited, then uh, maybe, yeah, just listen to this episode.
1: (laughs) Or or maybe not. (laughs) We'll see. But we wanted to do a, um, yeah, just a bit of a current events update do these once in a while and uh, just kind of catch up on on what's going on out there. And um, Brent, did you, you really want to lead off with the Phillips curve?
0: Well, it's broken, right? So we should talk about it because if it's broken, we
1: should try and fix it. <laughs> Are we going to fix it? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this ties into Bank of Canada, interest rate announcements, um, all kinds of stuff. Right.
0: Yeah, all kinds of uh, news items from the last... uh, I think we did one of these uh, six episodes ago or so. So yeah, it's high time. Um, But yeah, the Phillips Curve, we did an episode on that. So if people want to go back and listen to a little bit more of an in-depth explanation of what that is, Mm -hmm. um, you can listen to that episode. But for now, maybe we just kind of touch on what it is just quickly so that people... Um, have a little bit of understanding once we start jumping into some of the economic data we want to talk about today, uh, how that like how, how those pieces of data are interconnected or related or not. Yeah. Um, so what <laughs> 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 you're going to make some sort of screwdriver joke already. I <laughs> can <could> see
1: it. <laughs> can, really? You can see that coming because yeah. it's coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for an explanation of the Phillips curve, that is when you look in my toolbox to grab a Phillips screwdriver and like they're all bent because I've used them to pry stuff open, right? Not yeah, their intended yeah, use, but all the Phillips has like got a nice curve on it. Using tools <laughs> improperly. Uh yeah. Anything's uh anything can be a hammer, Brent. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not hiring Mark
0: for any renovations or anything like that. Um, yeah, would not, not be well what, advised. What is the actual Phillips curve when okay. it comes to economics?
1: So anybody uh, actually watching this, um, we'll see. I just pulled up the Phillips curve. The original paper... It's a, um, it's
0: a downward sloping curve, right? So oh, people it's all can't downward. See. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically it compares... I mean, originally... It was the rate, let me just read this the rate of change of money wage rates uh, as a percentage per year. So Whoa. now commonly that just, it's taken to mean inflation. Yeah. Uh, with the basic understanding that wage inflation leads to other inflation. Yeah. And that there's a general correspondence between uh, inflation and unemployment. So generally speaking, when there is low inflation, yeah, there's high unemployment, and when there's high and I know you complained about this. Why couldn't they just say employment? It's so confusing because you yeah. got to like, it's when it's backwards. When is
0: high, there's not low unemployment.
1: So yeah. So the idea is when understand. there's high infl, <laughs> <laughs> when there's high inflation. Um, that means there's economic activity. Right. And ari- like originally, if we kept this to wage inflation, that it that would makes make more sense. And that makes sense, right?
0: That makes sense when inflation's high. Yeah. Like people are out there buying stuff and yeah, there's a lot of demand. Yeah, doing stuff. Yeah. And you want to... Activity. Um, and, and there's activity and there's competition, right? Competition kind of drives up prices, right? Yep. Like I want these goods, no, I want to pay more, and that, yeah. So things are happening, things are going well, and inflation starts to rise. Yeah, okay. and
1: then unemployment is low because if stuff's happening, we need more people to work. Yeah, and um, that's that's how she goes. So this has been kind of the mandate of central banks for for many years, yeah. right? They have two things that they got to do. One is to uh, manage inflation. The other one is to manage employment. And those are two kind of weird, uh, disparate ideas. But the reason is because of the Phillips curve, right? Yeah. So what we've seen though is that the Phillips curve has uh, it's decoupled, or you know, it's broken. Yeah. So at some point, when you're prying something with that screwdriver, <laughs> and it's not meant to do that, you're gonna you're just gonna break the screwdriver, yeah. right? So <laughs> that's a great analogy. <laughs> that's what's happened, right? Because of debt, government right. debt. The just extreme amount of government debt has changed this whole uh, thing because what's happening is we're seeing, in very simple terms, um, and not everybody would agree with this, especially if you're, you know, a central banker or in the government, but um, debt is driving inflation. They print more money, they get more debt, and that creates inflation. So how do we get out of inflation? Well, print more money. Oh, wait a sec, but that creates more inflation. Yeah. Right. So, that like, the whole thing is broken. You're kind of because... caught
0: in this little, um, yeah, conundrum, yeah, the... right? It's hard to get out of that cycle once uh, once you have to start printing money um, to pay for your debts. Now, all of a sudden, that triggers inflation again. Yeah, it makes the problem worse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because all that, yeah, the printing money means there's it's debt. Yeah. Um. You have to. You're going into debt to print this money. So, so the, originally, yeah. what Mister Phillips was talking about. With wage inflation, that's like that. That that curve is probably not broken, right? Wage inflation versus unemployment. But in general, the sort of the perversion of that uh, thing, which now just means inflation. um, Inflation is high. We've seen and unemployment. um, Sorry, employment is uh, sorry. Unemployment is also high. Yeah. Right, and so that means there's you know you would think there's more economic activity people should be working but that's not the case
0: yeah because inflation is not high because of economic activity it's high because it's not of,
1: related to wage inflation it's, it's related to
0: yeah and so that debt payments
1: so yeah so a funny announcement um, funny or ah, funny sad i guess sad funny from uh, from the states right they they had uh, gdp numbers come out and they're like <laughs> it's like just about 5% year over year right Five percent is like scalding hot. That's crazy, as far as a a yearly GDP number. So GDP is gross domestic production, um, and they're they're sort of pitching it as that's economic activity. um, Like our country can produce
0: this much economic value, right?
1: When GDP is the measure of yeah all economic activity in a country, but that includes government spending.
0: Right, so they don't tell you that. Yeah,
1: nobody mentions that. Right, So when you look at, oh, okay, maybe it's really high because most of that is government spending. <laughs> it's not actual business activity. It's not trade. It's, um, it's that. But they're, they're, anyways, so, govern- so what you're saying is government plus.
0: spending doesn't produce anything um, <clears throat> or it well, shouldn't be on the GDP calculation?
1: <clears throat> I, I don't think it should. There's an argument that people can make that. No, of course it should, because if the government builds a bridge, yeah. you spend money to build that. Well, there's, everyone has jobs. There's actual there's, yeah. real benefits because, yeah, yeah. Joey uh, Badafuco is building the bridge, right? Yeah. And, and then, then he can um, ship all the potatoes
0: across. And that's actually the cannoli. good. Or cannoli. Cannoli. Yeah. Cannoli, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> we love our Italian friends, by the way, especially the cuisine. No, but the, the, the point is um, that there's economic activity, construction workers are, are doing stuff, and yeah. they're spending money to the economy. So, yeah, you can't really ignore that um, as because like, there's economic activity, there's velocity of money yeah. happening. I don't think it's a particularly good measure, though, because the government could do deficit spending on infrastructure, for example. Yeah. And That's where we, they don't have the money to spend on the new bridge. Yeah, but they do it anyways. Exactly. So yeah, there's stuff happening, but it's not real. Yeah, like it, it's, well, it's it's real, real but it's, but it's, uh, it's there's there's <laughs> cons- It's not a good measure of like, hey, we're really healthy. I just
0: want to read this from Wikipedia, which is a yeah. very trusted source, I think. It says so. It, just about the Phillips curve and how it's broken. It's it's kind of funny because the end of the first paragraph says. A 2022 study found that the slope of the Phillips curve is small and was small even during the early 1980s. So that, that means like it's supposed to be this dynamic slope, and it's yeah. actually not, in fact, um, like this dramatic uh, downward slope. It's actually a small curve. Uh, nonetheless, the Phillips curve is still used by central banks in understanding and forecasting inflation. So I don't know if that's true, but... Um, I would have to go and dig all through the central bank's documents to see if they do, in fact, use the um, Phillips curve as a model for understanding inflation. But um, if that is the case, they're kind of using something that's broken to forecast something very important, which is inflation, um, that impacts a lot of their decisions. And um, we want to talk about those decisions, too, about the interest rates and whatnot.
1: Well, the problem is, what else do they use? Yeah. Like, there's no other established, model. air quotes, model that they can use. Yeah. I mean, there are, but not that they want to use, right? This is just like, there's so much tied into this that who wants to be the guy to make that change? Yeah. Right? Not me. I'm not going to do it. I'll just work with the uh, the system we have and try and muddle our way through, right? Yeah. We're, so. we're at their
0: mercy, right? As uh, as individuals, as real estate investors, Not much we can do to force their hand on anything.
1: No, exactly. Don't fight the Fed. So, um, and I so I was listening to George Gammon the other day, and um, he's uh, the rebel capitalist. Yeah, he's got a podcast and bunch other stuff. But he made the comparison of, um, you know, saying the U.S. economy and this whole GDP uh, measurement thing, um, like first, it's like somebody on life support.
0: Right? I don't want to laugh about that, but...
1: Well, you... No, you, you laugh or cry. I can see... Yeah, I can see the... Right? All their vitals are good. Right. Right? It, they can be like the model of health. Their, their yeah. oxygen levels are great. Everything, On paper,
0: right? when you look at the data.
1: Yeah, well, even like, if you yeah. just go check... Yeah, you check... Yeah, look at the data. Everything is like incredible. You take that life support away, and all of a sudden, it's not. Yeah. So, it's kind of the same thing with the GDP, right? You take away the life support, the massive spending... Um, and things are not going to be okay. All of a sudden that number changes, that data changes. And at some point that life support is going to have to be taken away because they just won't be able to finance the debt.
0: Yeah. It's not sustainable anymore.
1: So yeah, it's not very funny, Brent. You're right.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, now that we've thoroughly (laughs) scared everybody. Doom and gloom
1: (laughs) into, uh, so, okay. Interest (laughs) rates. Uh, we're talking Canada here. What, what did, uh, what did your buddy Tiff have to say?
0: Oh, he's quite the guy, that guy. Um, he's so, quite a fella. Yeah. Um, so recently, uh, well, okay, so the last two rate announcements from the Bank of Canada, the bank held uh, rates, right? Yeah. So I think this is, um, I'm so I'm kind of involved in this world now, so I check up on all these announcements regularly. But I feel like more and more people are as well, staying yeah. tuned to what's happening.
1: Especially people with mortgages.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people do have mortgages, but, um, there is kind of, um, this idea that, you know, the bank of Canada is holding rates, but, um, you know, Hey, we're going to raise them or we're going to keep the option open to raise them in the future. Right. Like eventually, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, something might happen and we're going to have to um, like inflation could be sticky. Inflation could be sticking around. We got to get this down. So we're going to keep our options open. We might be raising rates in the future. Yeah. And a lot of that is kind of, um, you know, virtue signaling, I want to say, or, um, you know, not, not changing the tune, uh, entirely until the last, uh, I think last week, uh, or earlier this week, actually, um, Tiff, there's an article here from the Globe and Mail. It says Macklem says Bank of Canada could cut rates before inflation reaches target. So they have this target, right, to get down to two percent. And uh, the, like this article is kind of saying that due to some comments he made, um, you know, we don't need to wait until it's back down to two percent before we can cut rates.
1: Well, so part of the thing that has been sort of tacitly that's changing his tune right like well part of what they have realized or they've even said the the fed and the bank of canada is that they need to manage expectations that's sort of a part of their job now is manage people's expectations about inflation right. and that's based on the theory that how people think about inflation actually affects inflation so if people think we're going into a recession they're going to start not spending as much money, yeah, and that can lead more quickly to the recession. Whether or not that's as true, I don't know. But yeah, part of the game now is when whenever they say anything, they have to say it very carefully. Yeah, and then every word it, is charged
0: with some sort of uh, yeah implied meaning. So like, and then it's they not start all to, true
1: either because yeah. they're trying to manage expectations. So he might be just keep that in mind as we're looking at this what he says because yeah. what he said hasn't always happened. But they can kind of justify that saying, well, we need to manage expectations.
0: (laughs) So we can lie. We have a license to lie to everybody in the best uh, interest of everybody because, you know, if we just told the truth, the whole economy would just go for a loop.
1: Very Uh, Machiavellian. Yeah. Um, That's a kind of coffee in case you're wondering. Okay. Next time you go to Starbucks, order a...
0: Machiavelli. A,
1: a, a large Machiavelli. See what they say. Don't they ask for your name?
0: Like, what's your name? Niccolo. Niccolo, okay. Um, I feel like there's some more reading material about that, that reference there. Uh, but then they start introducing language like, we have not ruled out further interest rate hikes, right? So they would say that almost, like you said, to keep the expectations like, Oh, you know what? I was going to do this activity, but now because he said that I'm just going to wait another couple months. Right. Yeah. Um, like they, 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 I think part of their fear is that this activity in the real estate market, like speculative activity or overbidding on houses and, um, all of this stuff would, would return quite quickly. If they yeah. just said, you know what, we're putting a pause on rates. We see, um, things starting to weaken in the system. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, well, maybe we can afford it. So we're going to go in and try and start looking for houses again. Yeah. Um, so it, it, yeah, it plays with people's confidence levels, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, and then another, another thing on top of that. So there's another article from TIFF. Um, Upcoming mortgage renewals, part of why the Bank of Canada held rate at 5%. So this is something we have a little bit more data on as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's a big segment of mortgages that are, like every five years, obviously, or every three years, whatever your mortgage term is, when that comes to renewal, uh, for people who've locked in at fixed rates, they could be facing a massive uptick, right? So, he's looking at this as the uh, governor of the Bank of Canada saying, "Well, that's a big reason why we're not going to raise rates because we don't want people to renew at a much higher rate." So,
1: well, because we've seen, I mean, we've heard <laughs> lots of stories of, um, of, I mean, we, you know, maybe it's not out there in the media, but certainly being in sort of in the industry, we hear this stuff all the time, right? All these renewals that are happening. And, uh, I mean, I've, I went through it myself. I don't know if you recently renewed, did mm-hmm. you? Yeah. So we've been through it. A lot of people have been through it and like, utterly painful. What's that?
0: It's utterly painful.
1: If you're a cow. Yeah. <laughs> utterly pain. Dairy farmers finding it utterly painful. That's a good headline. Um, no, but everybody's paying a lot more uh, once they got their renewal, right? So the first signs were people on the variable rate mortgages saw their terms expanding, expanding, yeah. expanding till they had a trigger rate, and then they had to either, you know, come up with some cash or increase their monthly payments. And that was a lot of investors, investors that we know and talk to, right? But now like more Homeowners. more and more mortgages are being renewed because we're yeah, if we're mostly five year terms in Canada, as you Pointed out earlier, somebody, because the stat was what, 60% of,
0: yeah, 60% um, of mortgages renewing in a three year period.
1: Like, wow, whoa, whoa yeah. big deal. And then I think your friend pointed out, like, yeah, almost every mortgage is a five year term. So, yeah. of course, it would be 60% 60. over the next three, five, oh, three years. <laughs> 20% a year. Um, but the point is, like, we've sort of had that first tranche of uh, mortgages that have renewed. And like it's yeah, painful. There's right? a little bit of pain. M- mortgage payments yeah. have gone up what fifty percent on average, or something like that. Yeah. So that's like those are some big numbers. Yeah. And um.
0: And as um, as Robert Breedlove says, pain is information.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got a I got a graphic here somewhere. Um, oops, that's you. This is me. So this is uh, this is a report from. Oh, I can't remember what... I was from StatsCan, anyway. So, Mikhail Skuterud, he's an economics professor and uh, he's on Twitter. And and again, if you're listening, you can't see this, but he's a good guy to follow anyways if uh, if you like nerding out about some of this stuff. So, this is from uh, today, actually. So, November 3rd. And this is the number of households in Southern Ontario most likely to report difficulty meeting financial needs. So... The, uh, we've got difficult and very difficult as the two things, um, two measurements. Two survey
0: responses
1: or whatever. Yeah, so just over in St. Catharines, Niagara, just over 40% of households reported difficulty meeting their financial needs as either difficult or very difficult. So And then it goes sort of down across Canada, but the average of Canada is about 35% or so. Um, and so... <clears throat> You know, we, I think we would see that number go up yeah. as mortgage renewals keep happening at these higher rates. So yeah. that's just for, I mean, that's going to affect one homeowners, uh, obviously, because they don't have much choice. And then two, investors, um, if they can pass on the rent increases to their tenants, they're going to, if it's not rent controlled. Yeah. So pe- renters are going to feel that pain across a lot of Canada. And then in rent controlled markets like BC and Ontario, um, you know there's going to be a lot of pain and something's going to have to give people yeah. are going to be selling homes or um yeah. displacing tenants as yeah, well right maybe just moving in selling their house and moving into the rental property yeah just so that they're not uh, negative cash flow so Yeah, and
0: that's kind of a hypothetical thing, right? Like it it looks like that will happen, um, unless you know our all-knowing, or not all-knowing, but our all-wise, fearless, fearless leaders uh, decide to do something about it, right? Or like, and what can they do? Well, um, like, like uh, this article says, right? The, The mortgage renewals that are coming up are big consideration in the back of their head. They're looking at, well, okay, if this is going to happen in a big wave over the next uh, two, three years um, and everybody's going to be feeling the pain, is that something they think is uh, good for Canada? Is that something they want to avoid for political reasons because they want to look good? Um, So, yeah, these kind of things are also political opportunities, right? It's like, um, well, hey, can I introduce, um, you know, something to ease everyone's pain and look, uh, you know, like a hero? And one of those things might be longer amortizations, right?
1: Yeah. So the, that's, and so that's a government uh, thing, right? So yeah. this is Bank of Canada you're talking about, Tiff Macklem saying that, yeah, we're probably not going to increase rates because of this mortgage pain. Um, and like, we'll get to the longer AMs in a sec, but you got to wonder, like, that's not really his purview, right? Like, He's got to manage inflation so could that increase in, like I don't think higher mortgage payments yeah. are not going to increase inflation they might decrease it because there's less yeah. money to spend on other stuff other than homes Yeah. So Bank of Canada is supposed to be independent.
0: Yeah. Right. Keep the rates high. Everyone will be paying all their money on mortgage payments. They won't uh, be able to afford anything else. So they won't. Well,
1: (laughs) fiscally speaking, that might be a responsible thing to do. Keep rates high so that if you believe that there's too much speculation and whatever else, because
0: usually the responsible thing to do is probably oftentimes the painful thing to do.
1: Yeah, austerity. Right. Feel the pain, and we'll deal with it. We'll get through it, and uh, that's
0: how you work out too, right? Yeah. Feel the pain.
1: I'm not sure if that's how people do it, but that's, yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> if you want to
0: build muscle, I think you need to exert yourself and okay. suffer in some way to yeah. tear your muscles and, and then they repair themselves. And I don't know all of this stuff, but
1: we'll do a separate podcast yeah. on the whole theory of uh, yeah, micro tears and all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that not likely that the bank of Canada wants to do that though. Right. No. They also, I don't know. They, they don't want to be the bad guy. No. Oh. So yeah, is this really his responsibility? Worrying about mortgage renewals and mortgage rates and stuff, right? It's not. Again, it's does it have to do with in, employment or inflation? Not really. So why is he worrying about that? And so, my answer would be political interference. Right. Right. That the because this has been a, a newsworthy item, and certainly the you know the. Prime Minister has changed his tune from saying, "Well, housing isn't a federal responsibility, so like get off my back." Too. Yeah, housing is like something that we're very interested in, and we're going to do this and that to uh, to fix this whole mess, right? Because the, they're sliding in the polls, so yeah, like oh, we got to do something. So you could only imagine that there's pressure being placed on the Bank of Canada by the government. To, uh, to do something or to, in this case, not to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's my little rant about, uh, you know, political independence. Um, what were you saying about longer amortizations?
0: Well, I was just saying that that is one, um, <clears throat> one point of relief, right? So when payments are higher and interest rates are higher and there's a big wave of mortgages coming to renew um, and people are expecting, you know, I'm going to have to double my payment. Yeah. Um, one way to relieve that... Um, pain or pressure or fear that people might have and gain, um, you know, some time in terms of the stability of the system, but also gain some um, political popularity is, um, you know, let's, let's make, uh, if we can't reduce the rates, we don't have control over that because of other reasons. Well, let's uh, lengthen the amortization of people's loans and that will reduce the payment the monthly payment. So, you know, they're, they're not like forgiving debt or you're still going to pay for this house or, uh, the debt over time. You're going to pay. Oh yeah. <laughs> but now you're going to pay over a much longer period of time. So it's going to be uh, a lower monthly payment. So that might be some relief, right? And people
1: might welcome that. Um, well, so Christia Freeland yeah, made, said that uh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but you know, basically, we expect. I saw banks her walking around my to, neighborhood
0: the other day on Halloween, or was someone dressed up as her?
1: Oh, okay, yeah, doubt it'd be her. Um, <laughs> but she said uh, we She's expect. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a scary costume. <laughs> um, her as PM, that would be very scary. Yeah, um, she said <laughs> that uh, we expect um canadian banks to work with consumers and do everything they can to blah 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 I was like what does that mean to ensure that the consumers
0: don't default and cause economic havoc y-
1: yeah i mean she didn't go you know say say all that but basically like we expect banks to work with uh, consumers so like what does that mean yeah. Like, what what can they do? They're not going to just forget. Like as you said, they're not going to yeah. forgive payments. Yeah. Right. They can't reduce interest rates. They unilaterally. don't have the Yeah. I have heard that. I thought there was some talk about some banks dropping interest rates because again, you've got uh, variables are are based variable mortgages based on the government overnight lending rate, but then fixed mortgages are based on the bond market. So if right. the bond market um, is dropping that would, uh, like pr- bond prices are dropping that would give banks the leniency to also drop uh, mortgage rates. Yeah, but um, it's not
0: directly in their control. Like they're not influencing the bond market. Making it go down. No,
1: no, they're at the mercy of yeah. either the bond market or the uh, government or Bank of Canada, sorry, with the, yeah. uh, the overnight rate. So, yeah, what's left, right? Right. Amortizations, yeah. And we've been talking about this for a while, saying like, yeah. expect longer amortizations. Um, like that would be a... And we didn't... Have, this wasn't our idea. So we can't take all that yeah. credit for it. But we've seen, um, with variable rate mortgages anyways, that the amortizations have been increasing. Right? That's one thing that the banks have yeah, already been doing.
0: We got this one here from uh, October 23 by Josh. What's the... Uh, Mortgagesforless.ca. So
1: 40-year... That's the byline? Josh? By Josh,
0: yeah. Okay. Kudos to Josh for putting this together. Equitable Bank. So this is a bank in Canada. Seventh largest in Canada. Seventh? Yeah, I've never heard of them, but they're the seventh largest. Yeah, so um, Mm -hmm. they are to offer 40-year amortizations, Um, and they're going to launch this uh, over the coming months. And so just a bit of history in Canada, we had 40 year uh, amortizations in 2006. Um, and then there were some concerns around, um, risks in the housing market, um, increasing household debt levels, because obviously if you can take on a longer amortization, you can take on a big debt or like for the same payment, you can take on a bigger debt or you could take on the same amount of debt and then go get debts elsewhere because you're, your payments are lower, right? Yeah. So your money seems to go further, but essentially you're just building up your household debt.
1: Well, and anybody Um, doing lending looks at your debt ratio. So they're not looking at the the terms of your debt. They're just looking at how much you're spending. So if you want to go buy a car, maybe you can get a, another car or a better car. If your mortgage payments are lower.
0: Yeah. And we've done that too, as investors, like we, we, you know, we had a, a property that we were paying, um, extra every month. Right. Um, for years and years. And then, um, you know, we said, you know well we can't qualify for another loan, um, unless we reduce our mortgage payments to the minimum monthly obligation, right? right? So that kind of came in handy because you can, sometimes you can even bump out your amortization and they'll let you kind of, um, gain a bit of extra time and then your payments will go down. Um, and that the effect of that on your overall, financing, especially if you have one or two mortgages, right. Yeah. Um, now all of a sudden the banks look at you and they say, Hey, this guy actually can afford more debt. Um, and in the context of a real estate investor or somebody (laughs) who's looking to invest, uh, that's actually like now I can buy an asset with that debt. Yeah. It's beneficial. It's beneficial. But if, if, if it's just talking about the broader Canadian population and, um, people who just maybe have their own house, but then will use that extra debt for, you know, whatever other pleasures they want to indulge themselves in. Um, like they, groceries, yeah, like you a know, steak. Or <laughs> 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 yeah. Driving to work or yeah. no, yeah, I would assume they would maybe splurge on something that they couldn't otherwise afford. Right. So yeah, they're they're So just going through the history of what happened with, um, these 40 year amortizations, um, then the Canadian government, through CMHC, uh, they began to tighten the mortgage rules. So they said, you know what? Debt's getting too high. We're kind of concerned about this. Let's tighten the mortgage rules a bit. So they well, made, That's
1: only for insured mortgages, not for yeah. uninsured.
0: So they made changes by 2008. Um, the maximum period was 35 years. And then in 2012, it was reduced to 25 years. And that's with insured. Yeah, Right through CMHC. Yeah, through CMHC. So it's not insured. Yeah, then you then you whatever. need twenty percent down uh, yeah. if it's uninsured. So for a lot of people who are buying their second or third or whatever, yeah. a rental property, um, you know, it would be it would not be insured because you don't have that option.
1: But yeah, we've seen like people, especially again on the variable rate uh, mortgages, they they've had their amortizations extended by the bank just automatically. Because the bank's like okay we're not going to increase your payments but we're going to increase the term of your loan yeah to 40 50 60 i think 96 years was 96 years one that we saw <laughs> so Man. and yeah i mean the banks in this case they're like they're laughing right yeah. cuz now they've taken a product where they're going to earn interest for 40 years yeah and now they're going to earn interest for you know 60 or sorry maybe it was 30 or 25 years now they're increasing that they don't have to do any marketing to get another loan or to do they don't have to do anything else they're just increasing that and keeping interest payments for another 15 or 20 or 30 years so like that's awesome for them right there's no and i have no doubt they would um not hesitate to extend amortizations especially for Well, I guess it doesn't matter whether it's your primary home because people are going to do everything they can to pay the mortgage on their primary home. Yeah, they don't want to be displaced. They don't want to have to, yeah. Yeah, but then even for investors, like for an investor, if I can stretch out that loan to infinity, I'll do that because all I'm concerned about is that monthly flow. Yeah. I'm not worried about ever paying that off because I got tax advantages and stuff like that, right? So, Yeah. uh, yeah, extend these amortizations. So I think we're... You know, these got Ecuador is doing 40, or sorry, 40, 40 years. Year Yeah. at like nine. So they're actually not <laughs> doing the lending, right? Again. You read the fine print? They're doing it through a, a partner. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who the partner is, but I think it's around 9% or something. It's going to be the uh, the interest rate. Yeah, so they they're, anticipate uh, the
0: rates to hover around the 9% mark.
1: Yeah. So they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? There's an opportunity. And uh they're gonna But even that it's a
0: a topic of conversation and it's uh one of the things they're considering that they've previously deemed to be of concern because it's uh you know, causing higher debt levels in houses. I guess they kind of resign themselves. You know what? Everybody's got a lot of debt anyways. So yeah. we're just gonna, you know, um yeah. Uh, facilitate more debt for everybody by making the payments, line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's the tip of the iceberg, right? I think you're yeah. going to see the other six banks um, do something similar. Yeah, and, want to get in on it, and probably longer, right? Like this fifty will, years. Uh, yeah, this will be a test uh, test case. But I mean, the worst things get. The government is um, government doesn't want to see uh, a lot of their voting. Uh, voting block, right? Homeowners, I think, in general, tend to vote more than renters. Yeah. So they're not going to want to see them displaced, right? Because it doesn't matter what government is in power. If I lose my home and if the liberals are in power, I'm not going to vote for them. If I lose my home and the conservatives are in power, I'm not going to vote for them, right? People are going to lash out at whoever's there.
0: So either rates could come down or amortizations could extend, and those both would provide relief to households and investors, to everybody who has a mortgage or has debt. And then um, it's just a matter of which one will happen and to what extent, and uh, who will use them for political expediency or gain.
1: Yeah, and how much <laughs> pressure can the federal government exert on the Bank of Canada? I they think is another exert none. They right? should. They sh- they shouldn't exert none. Shouldn't. should exert <laughs> oh, none. <laughs> Should exert none. Oh, should exert none. They shouldn't exert none, far as yeah. I'm concerned. Uh, inflation and employment? No, they shouldn't, but I, I think like they do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that's a fact. So we'll see how... Yeah, how resilient yeah, the but, Bank of Canada is. But this like
0: wave of upcoming mortgage renewals makes for a great headline, right? Because yeah. it's a, it is it is kind of like, whoa, this tidal wave is going to sweep right over everybody and you can't stop it because it's just a matter of time before your mortgage, which is a five-year term, renews. Yeah. Right?
1: And it's much easier for policymakers to take action yeah. if you have yeah. like this... A tidal wave instead of yeah. just like mortgage renewals are continuing yeah, as one percent. they have back. every year at 20% per year yeah. or whatever the number is, right? And there could be some economic consequences. No, yeah. like 60% of mortgages renewing over the next three years. Homeowners are going to be underwater. Like <laughs> 100% of re- something. mortgages are renewing in the next five years. <laughs> yeah, How <about> exactly, that? <laughs> right? What? When did this happen? Yeah. What country um, are you in? So, and I mean... I don't know. Maybe there's other things on the table, right? In the states, you actually have thirty-year terms, generally speaking. Yeah. Not five-year terms. So when you say
0: term, you mean you lock in your rate for thirty years. That's right. Renew in five years.
1: That's right. So yeah, you get terms and amortization. Well, just to chat about that quickly for a second, because
0: that impacts their housing market a lot. It's yeah, it's a lot different than here. Because why would somebody sell a house in the states if? They have a 30-year mortgage at 3% or 3.5%. Yeah. yeah,
1: so you're seeing a lot of people trying to use what's called uh, subject to financing. Um, so that means I'm going to buy your house, Brent, subject to the um, the option or the, the fact that you are going to give me your mortgage, that you can port your mortgage to me, essentially. Yeah, so you're so selling the house a, and the mortgage. Exactly. Because the mortgage
0: is really valuable. To yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: the mortgage has more value than the house sometimes, yeah. right? Depending on it. So um, I haven't really, I'm not, yeah, I'm not super familiar, but I haven't really seen that in Canada as a thing. Yeah. It's only when I started looking at the U.S. market I, I've heard the, of this. The mortgages
0: are transferable. Yeah, because I don't think you usually can do that here. Not, no, no.
1: Like, no, but you can make that, uh, and I don't know. There's like, there's a whole little niche of, uh, people who will show you how to do this. Yeah. It's not, like, it's
0: important to do that here either. Cause in five years it renews anyway. So it's, yeah, what's the, what, why go through the hassle and all that? Yeah. That's if yeah. I you, get to you have inherit a three there. years of someone's cheap mortgage. rate. Yeah.
1: But yeah, there's, there's all kinds of tips and tricks to do that and be like, you know, the bank has no right to actually say no. Nah, I yeah. don't know if that's true, but anyways that's um, that's an interesting thing, right? So could we see longer um, not just amortizations but longer mortgage terms? Yeah that well, could be it, I think nothing is off the table in an election year. Yeah, so and that's next year: that's next year in Canada And, and as we know, 20 percent of mortgages in Canada will renew next year. <laughs> uh, okay oh, what man. else do we want
0: to get into really quick um
1: okay i wanted to talk about japan quickly <laughs> Oh, great and uh like why are we talking about why are we talking about all this stuff because it affects real estate it affects the housing market so japan is an interesting sort of case study for what we're talking about yeah because back in the that's 90s, that white flag
0: with the red dot on it
1: yeah that's yeah, right, right yeah Pearl Harbor, Sushi, Snow yeah. Monkeys, Mount okay. Fuji. Yeah. That's about all I know about Japan. Um,
0: Some good snowboarding in
1: Japan. That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so, yeah, very like interesting in Japan. So, in the 90s, their economy was on fire. So, they're now the fourth largest economy. Um, in the world. In the world. And this is not a big country, right? And this is not a country with a lot of natural resources, right? Yeah. They're a bunch of rocky islands, basically. Yeah. So not tons of natural resources, but, uh, and they were like just, you know, they, they had a, a rough, rough go of it in the 40s, right? After World War II, right? They were a power and then uh, the war happened. And anyways, they uh, rebuilt and they were a real powerhouse in the 80s. And going into the 90s, they had a lot of um, uh, real estate speculation, and this, you know, this is a very simplified version I'm giving here. But one of the things that they did in response to some of this stuff, especially the real estate market, was to raise interest rates, and uh, just to sort of tamp this this speculation, right? So basically, they killed the economy, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Mark's laughing about that. And um, but they're well, because, still the fourth largest with a debt economy. Uh, they were bigger. Okay. And like China has risen considerably since then, right? Yeah. But um, so they've had like decades of stagnant growth and the government has engaged in yield curve control. Um, what does that mean exactly? Oh, do we people? have to get into yield curve control? Well, so just,
0: just what are they trying to do with that? <clears throat> like if
1: they're trying to control interest rates and keep inflation low, right? So basically, if we, okay, we, let's talk about the yield curve real uh, real quick-like. <laughs> See, I don't know if I got a, uh, do I have a picture somewhere? Oh.
0: <coughs> well, you said they had stagnant growth, which I'm assuming just means they were stagnant. They didn't have any growth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> or yeah, that's a good one. No growth. So they didn't grow. Yeah. So yield curve. So the yield curve is basically if you look at all the bonds that the government is selling over um, a yearly sort of spectrum. So in you know if we talk about U.S. T bills for example, they will sell um, shorter durations, but let's say year being the smallest major one, and then three years, then five years, then ten years. In 30 years, those are sort of all the major uh, denominations that they will sell bonds in. So if you picture from 1 to 30 as the bottom line of a graph, and then the interest rate would be the other axis on the graph, um, generally speaking, you get, uh, like there's a curve, right? Yeah. So your typical (laughs) yield curve would be lower at the bottom end and higher at the top end. the shorter
0: duration bonds that they're selling.
1: Have a lower interest rate. Right. Right, because you're putting your money in, you're going to get some money, but you get it back pretty quickly. Right. Whereas if I'm investing, the risk is lower. The risk is lower if I'm investing for thirty years. You're making a lower percentage
0: return. Yeah, yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: and then so if I invest for thirty years, that's a long time, and who knows what can happen in thirty years? Yeah, so
0: you better pay me a higher interest rate. Exactly.
1: So that, and that's the basic theory. I mean, really bonds once they're bought, they are traded now on the market and nobody actually ever would hold a US Treasury for 30 years. Yeah. But that's like whatever. We can get into that another yeah. so time How does maybe. this relate to Japan? <laughs> so yield curve control generally means so they're trying to control that curve, right? Yeah. So usually what that means is they're trying they're they're targeting the the long end of the uh, curve of the curve. Yeah. Um, to, to sort of flatten out the curve and to control economic activity. So like really what that means is they're going to buy as many long duration bonds as they can to keep that price low. They okay. don't want that price getting out of hand. They don't want that going up and the curve to steepen. They want to keep it low. So the minute somebody starts selling a lot of bonds at a higher premium yeah. um, on the second market, they're going to buy them all. Right. And just like nobody else can buy them. And just sort of control it that way, right? So quantitative easing is sort of the other thing that you could do in relation, not in relation to the, um, the yield curve, but in, in the bond market in general. And that's when they just buy everything. Yeah. So, right, which is what they have, have done in so there. smart. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, instead of we're just going to buy everything, no, yeah. we're going to call it quantitative easing. Yeah. And that's so much more <laughs> sophisticated, right? Like, now, nah, you're just buying everything, guys. Yield curve control, they're just buying at the long end. Yeah. So anyways, Japan has done that in order to keep um, uh, inflation low. And they've targeted 2% inflation, but just to control everything. So anyways, they've had very And that affects the economy, economy. That
0: affects people's outlook of the economy and expectations. Yeah. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier, right? Yep. they expect... Yeah, if, if all of a sudden they saw that thing rise, the the long end of the curve, they would have a totally different expectation than if it was just kind of stable,
1: what yeah. they would expect, right? Yeah. So, you know, they want some, what they're trying to do is kill deflation, right? So they're, they're buying stuff as well. If it's going down, they're going to snap those up so that the the longer duration bonds don't uh, sell for less than they should right so they'll control sort of the interest rate at the front end but then also control the back end um right so they've been battling deflation caused yeah. by this massive interest rate spike like huh? where else have we heard this right so we're not in that quandary right now but uh, this is sort of where japan's been for many for decades and right? the fourth largest economy <laughs> yeah and so one thing that they've done is they've bought a lot of U.S. bonds as well. And, uh, but now they're having some issues with the Yen, that's their currency, starting to devalue. Um, So they're getting rid of, they're selling U.S. bonds in favor of the Yen. So one thing a a central bank can do is um, sell foreign treasuries. So like you'd sell your strongest one to get the most value and then buy Yen again to sort of control that market. To not let it free fall, like we're gonna buy it for a certain price, and so if you're gonna sell your yen for, let's say it's, I think it's like 150 yen to one U.S. dollar right now, um, we'll we'll buy it at that price so that you're not tempted to just like, oh, I got to get rid of these, so I'll sell them for 200, yeah, to one, right, yeah. Yeah. Like I will buy them for 150 to one or 140 to one. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're doing with uh, the, we're doing with their, their bonds as well, right? So you, you're controlling it on the high uh, from going up, but also from dropping. We'll, we'll be a guaranteed buyer. So that stabilizes the market, right? Right. And uh, right. sort of increases or decreases the risk of deflation. So there's not a panic. So if you're holding those, you can know, I'm going to hold these and they're going to buy. If I ever want to sell it, they're going to buy it. Yeah. So, I don't have to worry about getting panic selling, basically.
0: Yeah.
1: So, anyways, a little bit of panic selling with the yen. They're selling a lot of U.S. treasuries. Um, so, that's going to affect the U.S. dollar as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with all that. But that's just, <laughs> it's, it's something that's happening. And most people don't pay attention to this, even like yeah. economists, because like Japan, whatever, right? But, again, fourth largest treasury or fourth largest economy in the world Huge holder. I can't remember, but they're in the top three, I think, for holders of U.S. treasuries. Yeah. Um, but so, now they're starting to sell them. Yeah. So, so that's going to have effects on the U.S. dollar.
0: Right. So if oh, they're right. selling them, um, what does that say about, um, yeah, I guess the overall system, but confidence in um, the system?
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing is when you have more supply of something, the price usually goes down. Yeah. So... You know, if everybody's Japan has been selling their U.S. dollars um, again in an attempt to shore up their currency, right? They can they'll sell these dollars, so they have U.S. dollars now. They can buy um, their yuan, buy their own currency, and yeah. stabilize that from free falling because that's been what's been happening with them. But if everybody's selling U.S. treasuries, the price on those treasuries, the yield is going to go down as well. Yeah, so which is that not could good. be. Uh, <clears throat> Could be bad news bears. So oh, yeah, that's uh, we're
0: just thoroughly scaring everybody today. <laughs> well, it's
1: <laughs> it's uncertain times. How yeah. about uh, how about that? Oh man! Uh, you know what we haven't talked about what's that? Immigration.
0: Is there a recent announcement that we have to talk about?
1: Yeah the uh, the former housing minister, since he did such a great job on housing, now the ingra- immigration minister. And uh, everything should be, should be great, right? Um, so, yeah, basically they've announced that they're going to, <laughs> I love how they say this, we're going to stabilize yeah. the number of new permanent residents to Canada um, to 500,000 a year by 2025, I think. So it's you know we're just under we're somewhere around four hundred fifty thousand I think currently per year, and they're going to stabilize. That's air quotes. <laughs> Anybody who didn't catch the uh, sarcasm um, to five hundred thousand in uh, in twenty twenty five per year. So that means every that's year not going that many, forward. Is it? No, I mean yeah. What's half a million people in a population of uh, forty million? Um, <laughs> Okay, here I, I got another chart up here again for, for those listening, sorry. But uh, this shows the number of immigrants in Canada from 2000 to 2022. This is a quick one I pulled up off Statista.com. Um, so this would this must be permanent residence. So there's another segment that we'll talk about in a sec. but We're just talking about permanent residence. So that means, you know, I'm Joe Blow from uh, Czechoslovakia and I want to move to Canada and I get approved. Uh, so, I get my uh, my residence card, and now I can stay in Canada forever. Yep. I can work here. I'm going to pay taxes here, um, and that's it. Like, I'm here, here to stay. So, you know, we're looking at from 2000 to, to now. Basically, we've had somewhere around 250,000. It's probably been the average. 250,000 <coughs> permanent residents per year coming into Canada 2016 we saw that start to climb up a little bit we had a a, obviously a bit of a decline during COVID because nobody could get in or it would have gone up yeah and um you know 2021 to 2022 that's the last bar on the chart here is just about at 500,000 and everybody's like well don't make such a big stink about this we're just catching up from COVID right yeah but you know and our thought was like no we're not like this is a new trend especially with the number of Non-permanent residents, which we'll get to, but um, this kind of proves that theory that no, they're boosting this to half a million people per year. So, so basically
0: doubling the historical average yeah. um, of immigration into this country Yeah, in the course of what, like three years? Or I guess since COVID, it's really... Yeah. I mean, that
1: happened 2022, I guess was the year, uh, or 20, yeah, 2021. That's profound. Yeah, it's uh, So this it, is an
0: announcement from a guy who used to be in charge of housing all the people <laughs> that yes, come you'd to the
1: country. Think we have a housing shortage. You would think they would be like, "Oh, we got a housing shortage. We should do something." <laughs> and like, they the, did do something. They doubled the population. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they must own houses.
1: Well, what is it? 40-50% of the liberal cabinet um, own more than one home.
0: Yeah, rental properties are really, right. Yeah.
1: Which like, hey, that I'm all in favor. That's fine. But like, come on, guys. You know, a little yeah. bit of transparency here. If you're crying about all this uh house prices and stuff. Um but anyways, yeah, just that so five hundred half a million. So this is in line with their their target, I think, of having a hundred like that uh a hundred million by twenty one hundred. Yeah right um this ridiculous thing that they just made up and that was the i can't remember the name of it anymore but uh, yeah, the, the century, century club or something yeah
0: initiative or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah um which is so again there's there's more to this right And well, what's the reason behind it well there's so, this
0: aging population right so we need we need new people to fill up the the population that's aging that's not working anymore um so yeah i guess yeah, that's what, part of it right what could we do Brent have children
1: oh really we could have more than so fertility numbers um it has now dropped in canada just over a year it was uh fertility numbers were 1.55 children per uh woman in canada is now 1.33 children per woman in canada and uh, i know that well what about the man well i mean you know you need a man and a woman um like you still do yeah. In this day and age, yeah, you still need a say, man and a woman down because to make some another of the person
0: transition into man, or <laughs> maybe. I mean,
1: or men transition. No, because they can into, still have babies, right? The men
0: are diluting the statistics by transitioning Older, into
1: women. I wonder. It yeah. yeah, could be. I don't think. I don't think the numbers are that big. No. but um, it's just general fertility dropping, right? I mean, people are waiting till later to have babies and having more fertility issues. But yeah, the the point is, we're having fewer and fewer children here in Canada and like that's not really the government's problem I don't know maybe it is I don't think it is I think that's our culture yeah and you know the the culture determines the government I think not the other way around yeah um government can't really influence culture that much they have increased the baby bonus which like hey I'll take it right um so that you know that's cool but that hasn't really uh I don't Well, clearly the fertility rate has dropped. Yeah, the carrot's not quite tasty enough. So, yeah, maybe they just need to increase it. So, you know, federal government, if you're listening, increase the baby bonus, please. Yeah. Um, But, no, it's an interesting, like, yeah, it's interesting, right? We're trying to do all this stuff to kind of fix our nation. And, uh, like, we kind of know some of the answers. there's some cultural problems that are...
0: And that's where a Christian perspective really
1: informs what's going on here, right? Because,
0: um, yeah, as as Christians, we look at this and we can kind of clearly see, yeah, um, you know, people who don't want to have children uh, or are choosing not to um, for whatever selfish reason, um, you know, and who are unable to or. Well, you can't um, afford to, Brent. Yeah, okay.
1: So, like, there's lots of excuses, right? <laughs> um, well, that's the biggest one. Even among Christians, that's yeah. what I hear, right? I can't, like, two kids, okay, but that's... It would be irresponsible, is what yeah. I hear, actually. They're kind of flipping it around. I right. think that's gaslighting, isn't it? Um, yeah. Irresponsible to have, you know, more than two kids, one or two kids. Yeah. Which, uh, like... No, I don't buy that at all, right? It's, it's <laughs> one thing if you can't handle more than a couple kids. Like, I get that argument because yeah. I often feel that. <laughs> like, why do we have so many kids in this house? Yeah, be quiet until you're 80 and then you're like where are yeah. all my kids <laughs> well exactly right you know there's and what you said pain is information right so yeah. there's a lot of information in my house mainly really coming through my eardrums and uh my feet when i step on lego or dinky cars <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but uh yeah no it's like we have all these problems right high rates of anxiety and depression um yeah
0: it's unbelievable
1: all you know all these things, and it's like just we we gotta turn turn to God. And I'm not advocating for a theocracy or a government, even necessarily a government that is uh, like a completely Christian government. Um, and this is Like that would be great, but I'm not saying we gotta start our own yeah, Christian country. Likely but not like, realistic either. Uh No, I mean in this life. Yeah, does does realism affect? Your ideals probably shouldn't, right? You believe what you should believe, and that's it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, one, yeah, it would be great if Canada turned back to God, right? We may not see that happening, but we can advocate for that, and uh, we certainly do it in our own lives. But um, yeah, one, th- you want to fix the immigration crisis? Have more babies. Yeah. We have all the raw materials we need in Canada to build yeah. more families. And when
0: you have more families and bigger families, you actually have a less of a housing problem too because your population yeah. grows, your workforce grows and the number of housing units required actually decreases. Yeah. Um yeah, cuz would a house, increase slowly, but you know, you'd have uh, you know, houses with five bedrooms filled with eight people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like your kids can share a room, people. <laughs> just uh, just saying. Um well, because that's one of the arguments, too, against, you know, I can't have more. Than, like, I've got a three-bedroom home. I can have two children. Like, yeah. no. it's <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> fill those suckers up. You can have three kids to a room. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Um, and it won't hurt them either. No. But, uh, yeah, because what is it? 2.9 uh, people per household. That's sort of the Canadian average. right? Right. And that's, I mean, there's lots that have one, and then there's lots that have more than one. But yeah, uh, yeah, increase the average household size.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of underused housing in that case, right?
1: (coughs) Yeah, tons. So you have a lot of immigrant
0: families coming over, and they're bigger, maybe bigger families, but they're living in you know three-bedroom main floor unit in Hamilton Mountain versus
1: yeah, with six people.
0: Someone down the road living in the two-story house with one person. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So.
1: Get married, have lots of babies. That's our uh, That's the, if the I call ever action or if I ever run for office, that'll be one yeah. of the uh, one of the platforms, right? Let's have more babies. <laughs> I don't know how well I'm going to do, oh, but oh man, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, CMHC has said, um, like they do their own studies, right? They don't just do uh, mortgage insurance, but they said we need an additional at current rates, and this was uh, this was a while ago. Um, an additional, let me see if I can pull this up here. I don't know if I have it. Should have been a better prepared. A large number of houses. Uh, no, here we go. Um, so in order to, now this isn't just to meet demand, but to restore affordability. What is restoring affordability by 2030 look like? They're saying we need, in addition to the houses that are being built, which is about 2 million a year. I think that's, probably going to drop significantly for a little while because housing starts are just plummeting yeah because builders can't afford uh, to build um, but is 250,000 a month or about two million a year um, Is that right and that's three million a year I think Wow four times three right that's about how much we build so they're saying we need an additional three and a half million uh, houses by 2030 just to have some affordability. And yeah. that's based on sort of a medium immigration or medium population growth estimate. If we go to a higher growth, then that would be just over four million right. additional homes per year by twenty thirty. Right. So knowing how difficult it is to build homes in Canada and increase the number, like we're difficult? not going to hit that, right? they like, there's there's no chance. Yeah. And you know, these numbers I think are probably low. We've seen other numbers from other people too. So Saying like, no, we're overestimating the amount of homes that we're building and underestimating what, uh, yeah, like what we actually have. So um, yeah, yeah. so now we have we have a high population growth um, scenario now with that half a million permanent residents uh, per year, and that's why we see this continued push from different levels
0: of government, also on the municipal level as well, for increased density in the existing housing stock. Um, that we have so if a house is a new construction house it might be able to house two families from the get-go but a lot of the stuff we built 50 years ago 70 years ago it can't house uh, as many people there's only one kitchen in the house or whatever right? yeah so can we use that existing land that existing housing that's what we talk about all the time on the show right yeah um the push for for more density in housing and um that's a huge opportunity for investors right so people yeah um, people can use their existing land if they already own a house and intensify it, or they can buy one, um, like buy a property and take advantage of some of these trends. And then, um, you know, not only are you supplying the housing market with much needed housing, but you're also, uh, owning it and benefiting from it financially, um, for yourself.
1: So, yeah, the, um, Yeah, what was my... I had another point. Something about Japan or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we need immigrants from Japan. Uh, No, it's... um, So, yeah, we don't want to go down the route of Japan, right? Because it's it's interesting. There's limited economic uh, opportunities for especially younger folks and you see like record numbers of, I can't remember what the word is, but basically young folks who isolate themselves in Japan. Like this is a real, they have a word for it because there's so many of them right. where young people would just go like in their room and they don't come out. So they don't work. They don't go to school. They don't do anything. They isolate themselves. Presumably they have the internet and they're playing Fortnite or something, but um, they just no interaction with people and they live with their parents. And um, even house prices, right? You want to go get a little vacation house in Japan? Like, go ahead, because they're dirt cheap. Yeah. Right? You might have to fix it up a little bit, but there's tons of abandoned housing there. Yeah. Anyways, lots of uh, social, weird stuff going on there in Japan. There's a different society, too. But uh, um, we talked about permanent residents, 500,000 a year. Ooh, this is a year is the big one. Yeah. So, no, and. You're talking about governments are now starting to say, hey, we got to do this and that. Uh, like, they could have seen this coming for years because people, especially like Tom and Nick Carazza, have been talking about this for years. Like, guys, there's, there's a disconnect between immigration, population growth, especially in the GTA, and, and housing starts. And 2016 is where you see those numbers. Like, we talked about a 250K average per year. 2016 is when that bumped up. Yeah. By about fifty grand yeah. per year, so what's fifty thousand people? Well, that's like a twenty percent increase in the actual number. That's a big increase, right? And then for it to, now to go to like five hundred thousand is an astronomical increase. But point is, people could have seen. Some people saw this coming. Yeah, and uh, so we're like, hey, buy real estate Southern Ontario because prices are going to go up. Nobody could have predicted yeah. COVID. And those prices, but certainly the other indicators, right? Um, but we haven't talked about non-permanent residents. Yeah. And you know, presumably, as in the title, non-permanent, they're not going to stay here. Yeah. So you know, what effect do they really have on housing? But as we've seen, most of those are international I've heard students them called
0: pre-permanent residents. <laughs> that is uh, that right. is like a, a, much... a large
1: percentage of them do
0: actually. Uh, make their home in Canada after they come here for whatever yeah. non-permanent activities, mostly students, yep. um, that they're doing. They become permanent, right? They try and find a job. and Yeah. I think there is some disgruntled people trying to go back now, but...
1: Well, uh, yeah, because they can't afford to live They've been sold here. a lie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, we've ragged on this uh, in the podcast as well uh, quite a bit if you listen to other episodes. But yeah, this is just another pathway to citizenship in Canada. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe a number of those are are actually genuinely studying here and then going back home, right? So there's a split, right? There's students and there's temporary foreign workers. And the temporary foreign workers, indeed, are temporary. And uh, so you think of that around here. You have a lot of, um, like, Jamaicans would be one. And uh, I, I don't know what else in Mexico and yeah, Mexico, people working on farms, yeah, right doing uh,
0: vineyards
1: and all orchards this kind of and, yeah, in Southern yeah. Ontario. there's a lot of uh, temporary foreign workers so they're and they're here like you know six months every year and then they go back home. And they you know, I would say they probably don't have much of an effect on yeah. the housing market because especially like I know people who have farms or vineyards, they build housing for these uh, guys, yeah, yeah. right?
0: They've come to the same place for thirty years, forty yeah. years, yeah. So
1: they've got like barracks or houses or whatever on the property, and that's where the guys stay. Yeah, and uh, th- that's sorted out. Yeah. So the bigger, much bigger number and the bigger increase that we've seen has been students. And um, so what was it last year? Uh, Seven hundred and fifty thousand, I think. Yeah, like. Whoa. <laughs> we're freaking out about five hundred thousand permanent residents. Which is a
0: crazy to begin with. Five hundred thousand is double yeah, what
1: it that's, was. That's 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 crazy. But yeah. that now we're talking about like more than doubling that number in in yeah, temporary. But the,
0: okay, what's interesting about this too is that um like if you have a, a baby, obviously they're in your house. And so the population grows naturally over time and the problems also like can kind of resolve themselves. Right. Cause that kid's growing up and that kid turns 12 and then 18 and he's like, you know what, I might as well get a job in construction. Yeah. And now he learns how to build a house and now he's contributing to the economy. And then eventually, you know, he's built 30 houses and you know, now all of a sudden he moves into one. Right. Yeah. Whereas when you have immigration increase dramatically over one year and then all the, the students and whatever, like they come here to study, they're not, like you know, contributing massively to the economy. I mean they get yeah. a couple of part-time jobs and stuff. Um, but there, it's it's like this sudden increase in like mature adults requiring housing now, right? Yeah. Individual, like I need my own unit. I need my own kitchen. I need my own bathroom, right? Whereas like the natural way that of growth through population, uh, like through through birth, is, yeah, is a much more you know organic, um, organic and kind of uh, easier to deal with. Um, and you can predict
1: it. You can look at your population yeah. trends and be like, "Oh, need some more housing." Yeah, right. So,
0: but when that goes away and falls off a cliff and and it's actually declining, then we have to rely on these kind of like, uh, yeah, dramatic. Like you turn the switch, and here come the people. You turn the switch off. It well, doesn't have to, have
1: to be this dramatic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems to be that's what they want to do.
1: Dramatic so. slash traumatic. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, these uh, these. Non-permanent residents or pre-permanent, like most of them, want to move here, and that, thats the plan, right? And that's if you're doing the student thing, you have options where you can stay for a couple of years after your degree, and basically prove that you can be a good citizen or whatever, and uh, and then apply for citizenship. There's that, like, there's a path. Yeah, you got this two-year period, or is it two or three years? And then after that, you can apply for. Um, for for permanent residency. So you have to assume that a large number of this 750,000 people per year, I mean, I don't know if that trend is going to continue because um, nobody really tracks this, right? Like we actually have a number, which is cool, but they, they, I don't know if you recall, this was earlier this year, I think they're like, oh yeah, we miscounted And uh, I think I'm not
0: surprised
1: it was, uh, and it was somebody, it was either a journalist (laughs) or a researcher that said, Hey, I think your numbers are off, man. Like, go look at this. And then they actually did. And they're like, Oh, you're right. You know, we thought we had, uh, uh, like 1.1 million. Um, now what did they say? We thought we had 750,000 non-permanent residents in Canada. So that was, that's total. As of 2021, I think. And then they had to uh, revise that upward to 1.2 million. So they like had no idea how many people actually were there. But if you think that's the total number that was there in 2021, and now all of a sudden we've opened the, the dam, and we're getting that number per year. So just yeah. from 2021 to 2022, that number increased from 1.1 million to 2.2 million. Um, the total, or, yeah, total, yeah, right, and then that number is just going to go up like a ridiculous amount every year, yeah, and yeah, you, some of them maybe, maybe even half of them are going back home, right? Still, that's, that's still a, a huge number. Yeah. We're still getting close to a million new people in Canada per year. Yeah,
0: what do you say, Canada? Like I think, oh, this huge country, right? You're like yeah. well, all these million people in Canada.
1: Yeah, you think there's of the like, map of Canada,
0: huge areas where they Massive. can go live. Yeah, yeah.
1: but no. That's not where they go. Well, because they're not like bringing roads and sewers with them, right? Yeah. Through the they,
0: Canadian Shield in the winter. Yeah.
1: Like go, if that was the case, yeah. Like here's an axe and, yeah. you know, here's a here's a square of concrete. You go lay that somewhere, right? Yeah. If you want to live here, but that's not.
0: Trench sewer through Canadian Shield for five years, you earn yeah. your citizenship. <laughs> Man. Well,
1: so we joke about it, but
0: that like... I think, think every, about that. every teenager should probably do that. Yeah, yeah. That would <laughs> Myself
1: be included. Yeah. Never mind mandatory military service, yeah. mandatory housing service. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you could tweak <laughs> immigration. <laughs> oh,
0: man, we're going to have a lot of houses falling over. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you need a supervisor. Um, no, but you could tweak immigration to say, like, we're going to look for primarily skilled trades. Yeah. Never mind, doc. like, yeah, we need doctors and stuff. Yeah, filter like, filter people. When yeah, they come let's in. get drywallers. Let's get you know people talk about bringing framers in, but like well, like they bring in no surgeons framers anywhere else or in the world.
0: Either highly qualified people, right? yeah, but they don't they can't practice here. So well, that's yeah, that's so it's another like yeah, you're very highly qualified, but you're not really being used. Yeah, yeah like dentists. Find, yeah,
1: i know a number of dentists who are like doing. Not what they trained for and yeah. not what they, you know, talk about highest not and best use at. of real estate, talk yeah. about highest and best use of people. Yeah. They should be dentists here. Yeah. We need them. Right. Anyways, yeah. that's my. Uh, All
0: right. How many hours is rant.
1: this? Like people can't listen for that long. Oh, we're. Uh, oh, yeah. We went on for quite a while. I went on for quite a while <laughs> and you listened. So we should probably cut it off there. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. what What is our point? Like there's a lot of demand and uh likely a lot of um yeah and there's a lot of uncertainty so
0: uh, there are people just kind of sitting around waiting to see what will happen and if you if you take the short-term view of um you know uh you know what's going to happen with interest rates what's going to happen with the market and immigration all these policies like that's maybe a two to three year issue right yeah um and maybe a market corrections four, five, six years um, and it could be significant. It could be just a blip on the radar if they step in with more stimulus or whatever. Right. But, yeah. um, when you zoom out, which is what we like to do as real estate investors and look at the overall trends and the, uh, behind the scenes kind of like, well, our population's getting older, so therefore we need immigration. Like they could say they want to reduce it significantly, but at a certain point they can't. Right. So, yeah. Um, when you zoom out and you start to see that and you build an investment thesis around, well, this area has a housing constraint. We've had a low supply for, for so long. Um, and we have increased the population and we, we believe both of those kind of trends are going to continue to clash moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we make an investment decision, right? Cause you're not making it for a two year, five year, get rich quick kind of idea. It's we're in this for the next 20, 30 years and we're going to benefit greatly and hopefully you have the attitude as well that we're going to be of benefit as well by adding housing units, providing housing, like good yeah. quality housing to people. Um, so that would be my takeaway from all of this is uh, don't despair and throw your hands up in the air, but <laughs> use this kind of to inform your longer term perspective of what's what's actually happening.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, there's tremendous opportunity. You sound like tre- tremendous. Tremendous, huge opportunity, the best opportunity we've had for <laughs> none. Uh, leadership. <laughs> <laughs> all right nobody's voting for mark <laughs> okay well, we'll wait a few years <laughs> uh yeah maybe the next cycle maybe yeah. the ele-
0: next election cycle we build up our listener base yeah people can maybe share the podcast with their friends and tell uh also us what to do better because we really appreciate the feedback uh we've got a number of different uh comments in the last couple of weeks uh that really help us to uh improve our game so yeah uh, continue to send that feedback in and thank you everybody.
1: Okay, well, until next time, folks,
0: steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better,
1: click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in
0: the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.